right now the experience on Memorial Day is you go to a cemetery and you leave some flowers and you read some words off of the stones there and, and then you go home. Uh, what I'm hoping in the future, uh, people will, will go to cemeteries and they'll use the smartphone app and, and read the stories of, of our heroes. An excerpt from today's guest, who's organized a nonprofit initiative to write the stories of all America's fallen soldiers from World War II. Don Milne is here, and I'll speak to him right after this break. This is Point of the Spear. Welcome back. I'm Robert Child. Today's guest from Louisville, Kentucky, decided to spend his severance on building a national website to honor fallen soldiers. His website is called storiesbehindthestars.org, which is bringing stories of the fallen to future generations. And Don Milne joins us now. Don, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for uh, having me on your show today. I'm thrilled to have you. This is an impressive effort that you've undertaken here. And uh, before we get into the, to the website and app, tell us a little bit about what started you on this journey. Yeah, it's not something I ever intended to do. It uh, actually started off as a one-man hobby back in uh, 2016 at the 75th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. There was a bunch of news stories in uh, newspapers, magazines, uh, TV, talking about here are the survivors that were there at Pearl Harbor 75 years ago. And, and they would also mention, of course, there were the 2,000 plus people that died there, but that was about all you would hear about them. And I would always think, because I'm a uh, history buff and read lots of World War II books, I thought it's, it's just a shame that in books or movies, um, TV shows, print media, uh, we just don't give enough attention to those people that were the actual heroes that didn't come back. So at that time, I was a banker and uh, had older kids and had a terrible golf game. So I was looking for a, a hobby to maybe move my um, interest in reading history to maybe do a little bit more than that. I'd recently gotten a uh, membership at Ancestry.com, and I was noodling around their website and noticing all these military records. So it's just not a whim. I thought, I bet you I could uh, do a project where I could write about one person each day it's their 100th anniversary but they never made it to 100 obviously because they died during the war and i was able to by using sites like ancestry and fold3 and newspapers.com to on my lunch break just research enough to write a short story about this person because no one had ever written about hardly any of these 400,000 people who died in world war ii so i'm kind of old school i'm 60 years old so I, I did a blog spot, so I know that's like 20-year-old technology, but I knew how to do that. So I just started doing that, sharing it on Facebook a little bit. And within a year and a half, I had like hundreds of thousands of people that had read it. And on any given day, there was maybe 3,000 people on average that was reading this daily story I did for these people that died. And my whole plan was, well, I'm just going to end on September 2nd of 2020, the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II. And at that point, I will have one story each day for the duration that America was engaged in that conflict. And then I go on because I realized this isn't something I could do forever. I, I did the math that would take me like 1,100 years doing one story a day. But it just turned out that uh, for, for a few reasons, and we can talk about it a little bit more, but 
it's not just me that likes doing this sort of stuff. So that's what was the genesis for let's let's go ahead, let's do all the names. Let's do all 400,000 names, but I can't do it by myself. But with enough volunteers, we can. And so that's the genesis of Stories Behind the Stars. It's, it's a, an amazing effort. And I agree with about Ancestry.com because I, I used it a couple of years ago to find out information about my father's family. And I had no idea because he passed away when I was very young. I had no idea that my great-grandfather, Thomas Child, fought at Gettysburg and Fredericksburg. I had no idea. Um, so, no. Uh, you know, it's not a commercial for ancestry, but uh, uh -huh. it's a really wonderful site um, to, to find those uh, difficult to find information. <laughs> now, I've been to your website, but um, you also have an app associated with this. Tell us about the app. Yeah, the app is still under development, and basically what we want to do is we, we're actually teaming up with Ancestry.com. They have a uh, uh, military remembrance site called Fold3, right. and it was created for people to, like you had a, an ancestor who was at Gettysburg. You could create a profile for them and save it in this format that's specifically for those who have served the military. And so we decided we needed to have a platform where we can save these 400,000 stories. So I contacted Fold3, and they said we'd be more than happy to to be the platform to save these stories. And in fact, we'll give your researchers free access to Ancestry newspapers, which they also own, newspapers.com and, and Fold3. So you have a place to, to put those stories. Mm -hmm. So so that's what we did. And, and that's why we use them. We have one platform. And, and once you have one place where all the stories are, it's pretty simple to now have an app that can reach into Fold3 and pull up all those stories. And uh, Ancestry also has a, another property called Find a Grave. Find a Grave has a GPS locations for all the graves that they track, which includes, I'm pretty confident, if it's not 100% of the World War II fallen, it's like 97% or more. So we can get those few that we don't have. So you, you just have to be in that cemetery, standing by that person's grave, and our app will be able to use the GPS to say, well, you're phone says you're here due to GPS. The cemetery knows uh, the same GPS location and our story knows that same GPS location. So th those three things make it super easy to uh, make an app to do that. So we have a couple of versions that are development right now. We've, we've got a working um, almost to beta that people can use uh, not on a, we don't have an iPhone version, but we have the Android version that we're working, mm. working on. And so you will be able to go to, say, the uh, um, at the cemetery there at Normandy and use this app on, on every one of the people who died on D-Day because we've already written all those stories. That's amazing. It'll, it'll work at any memorial or any website as long as it's, it's been put into Fold3 so that we have the GPS there. It is amazing for people going to Normandy to just be able to instantly look up the background of uh, one of the soldiers there. Yeah, it, and right now it'll only work with those who died on D-Day. There's, um, I think there's like 10, 12,000 people buried there if I'm remembering right. And, yeah. and there's about a thousand of them were from D-Day itself. But eventually with enough help from enough volunteers, we will get all 400,000 stories done. We're, we're at about the 10,000 mark right now. Well, you got a few years to go, I'd say. 
We do. We, we plan to have it done by the 80th anniversary of the end of World War II. So I'm, I'm hoping on September 2nd, 19, uh, September 2nd, 2025, we'll, we'll get some nice news coverage to tell people, hey, if, yeah. if you want to, if, if you know someone that died in World War II, or even if you don't know, all their stories are available either online or when you visit their gravesite. We'll be back to the conversation after this quick break. World War II was the most violent and destructive armed conflict in the history of mankind. Thousands of books, films, and memorials have been dedicated to the conflict. Yet one unwritten and unheralded chapter remains. The story of America's World War II glider pilots, spearheading nearly every Allied assault during the war. Oh, I have greatest respect and admiration for the guys who sat there in the pilot seat of those gliders. Because there was such a small group of us and, and so many men under arms, it, it made us feel that we were kind of special. Chip on the shoulder, don't fool with us. We're glider pilots. The largest armed conflict in human history demanded all an individual soldier could possibly muster. And the American glider pilots were among the bravest individual soldiers serving on the Allied lines. While many glider veterans will humbly tell you that they were simply doing their part, they will add that the G on their wings did not stand for glider. It stood for guts. Silent Wings, the American glider pilots of World War II, narrated by Hal Holbrook and available on Amazon Prime. Now back to my conversation with Don Milne. It's, it's such a, an amazing effort, and you're uncovering people that, um, that are unknown. And one of the stories that I noted that you have in your database is a, is a woman, um, I believe she was a, a squadron leader, Catherine Tusak, Duzak. Yes. Tell us a little bit about uh, her story. Yeah, so among the unknown people, she, she should probably be one of the better known of the unknown because of her amazing life. She was born in 1905 in uh, Washington, so uh, obviously wouldn't be around today. Very unlikely if she would have survived the war with having that early of a birth date. Um, she was very smart. She was on the debate team in high school. She was also very athletic. She was on the tennis team. She got championships at the high school level in, in both those pursuits. She was actually the valedictorian of her high school when she graduated. She did a year at uh, Washington State University, and then uh, she transferred to Stanford, and she ended up getting a degree in psychology. Um, so pretty accomplished, pr pretty big accomplishments for a woman in the 1920s. There's a, a funny story related to that as well. She was still at Stanford. Her and her cousin decided on a lark that they were going to stow away on a boat going to Hawaii. So it wasn't, they weren't discovered till a couple of days later mm. on the boat. And so the, the captain says, well, we can't have them go all the way to Hawaii. That's not right. So there was another boat that was going to come close to them that they were going to transfer them over to uh, a C to C transfer there in the middle of the Pacific. And they both all of a sudden came down with some very bad uh, seasickness. And so the captain says, well, this isn't going to work. I guess we have to take him the rest of the way to Hawaii. And uh, her seasickness got better after the, the ships uh, separated. 
And when they got to Hawaii, they, they went to the post office because they'd ship their luggage ahead of time. So she, she was really kind of smart about planning ahead, spent mm-hmm. a couple of weeks there in Hawaii and the dad ended up getting her a ticket to get back to the United States. So she, they, they did punish her at Stanford. They delayed her graduation by uh, six months, but she did end up graduating and there weren't a lot of opportunities for jobs, even with a college education for someone um, in the 1920s for females. So she was working, I think, uh, in more of a department store type position, but she ended up uh, uh, moving to Chicago. She ran into, somehow met an individual by the name of, you got it here in front of me here if I'm researching down my story here. Anyway, the, the information I'm, I'm telling you in this story is actually written by one of our volunteers, Lee Schneider. She's mm-hmm. uh, from Tennessee. And her focus has been on writing the stories of uh, the women from World War II. And so she's got a wealth of great stories. She wrote this one. There's many, many more. I think at this point, she's written more than 100. And she thinks there's like 700 American women serving in the military who served during the war. No, so so was, this uh, is... Uh, Catherine was, a, was an aviator. She was a squadron leader. Yeah, not, not at this point yet. Although uh, after she got back from Hawaii, she did go back to Hawaii as a graduate. And she did learn to fly a, a small plane at that point. Um, but, but in 1929, uh, she met her future husband, Leonard Keller. And he's got an interesting side story. He's the guy that invented the lie detector machine. And so oh, after no. she married him, she became an expert in analyzing handwriting. And she actually was uh, a, a court expert testimony, not just in the Chicago area she lived, but throughout the United States. And, and if you were to look into 1930s uh, newspapers, um, you would see her name showing up countless times because it was kind of unique. Here's this woman that's an expert in handwriting, and she's giving testimony as an expert in cases all throughout the United States. Mm. She also set up a, a detective agency while she was in Chicago, the first all-woman detective agency. She created that. So by 1940, um, her husband, it appears, may have had a drinking problem and was uh, not paying her attention. And so they, it looks like they were separated and they eventually got divorced. And then she met an individual uh, with the last name Dusak. So that's why her, her last name when she passed away was Dusak because uh, this uh, guy she married, he, he was actually a major, uh, Rene Alexander Dusak. He was born in Buenos Aires. From his name, it appears he has some sort of a, a French connection. And uh, he actually was working for the uh, OSS, the precursor to the CIA. And mm-hmm. uh, she ended up, because they were separated, he was in the war and she was at home. She decided to join the, the WASPs. And because she knew how to fly, they, they put her in a position of prominence. And that's why she's a squadron leader over the, the WASPs. And so she did that. And uh, uh, she, she was flying the smaller planes. The WASPs were used to transport planes from say where they were being built to locations closer to combat when the men would take them over. But uh, towards the end of 1944, the military decided we've got enough men pilots now, we're going to start to, uh, um, we're gonna get rid of the wasps and we won't use them anymore. And so she went on a trip, she, she flew her plane to Washington DC to have a meeting with uh, some of the, the people there to see if she could get 
her pilots, her women pilots, some commercial licenses so they could continue to fly. And on her way back to uh, Cincinnati, she ran into some bad weather, and either weather-related or fuel-related, her her plane crashed. So oh. she, she uh, died during the war in the service of the United States. Uh, obviously non-combat, but that's that's her story. Um, her 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 husband wasn't there at the time. He was serving in uh, uh, Europe. He actually uh, um, landed on D-Day with the 101st Airborne. He had a whole uniform like he was 101st Airborne, but he was really there to work for the OSS. But they, he had the uniform on so that if he was captured, they wouldn't execute him as a spy. So oh. just a totally interesting story for this woman born in 1905 to uh, have had all these experiences. Um, while serving our country. And she is, I think, relatively unknown. Um, I hadn't um, ran into anything about her until Lee wrote her story. So that, that's just one of at least 700 women's stories that we're, be, we're going to be doing for this story, uh, for this project. And just an indication of, uh, I think it's fun. I think when, when uh, Lee was doing this, she said, wow, I can't believe the information I'm finding. Why don't more people know about this? But it's, it's going to happen as more of our volunteers step forward and start doing these stories. Not everyone, obviously, is as colorful right. as uh, Kay was, yeah. but there's, they're all worth taking two or three hours. That's about the average amount of time our, our volunteers take to write these stories and, and come up with the information that um, will be shared in the most obvious location. When you go to a gravesite or a memorial and you say, oh, look at that person's name. I wonder what they're all about. Well, right. you'll be able to use your smartphone to find that information instantly. That's an amazing story. Um, have you gotten help from the military on your efforts? Um, well, not directly. We're like officially the military is helping us, but I would say if not more than 50%, at least 50% of our volunteers are either former military or active military. Okay. I don't have any generals involved, but we do have a few colonels or retired colonels who are contributing stories and every rank below that. In, in all the branches of the service, even the Merchant Marines, which sometimes gets left out. We have people with Merchant Marine background that uh, are helping us. That's great. The, obviously, they take an interest in it. The ultimate goal, you mentioned it at the top of the show, and you have a target date to get all these stories done. Yeah, our, our goal is we're, we're not a nonprofit organization with a 513 charter and all that sort of thing. We're just an initiative, which means we have a, a start date and an end date, and we use a fiscal sponsor that has a more permanent uh, ongoing uh, entity to, to, to continue on. When, when our project's done, then we're finished. And our goal is we want to write an individual story about all 400,000 people who served the United States of America during World War II, died during the war, and our, our goal is to have these all done by September 2nd of 2025. And, and the only way we can do that is that we need to have about 2,000 volunteers writing an average of one story a week, which, which is doable, I think. We already have almost 1,400 people that have volunteered, and they're from all 50 states and more than a dozen other countries, but not all of them are writing one story a week. I, I think the majority of those volunteers they have like a grandfather or, or maybe a cousin that served in the war and they write their story and they're done, which is fine. We, we really enjoy having people participate at that level because 
who better to write the story than the people that know of that person the most. Right. But, but we have, I think like 10% of our volunteers write like 50% of our stories because they really enjoy this process of, of taking these names and making a lasting legacy. Um, what I really want to have happen is right now, the experience on Memorial Day is you go to a cemetery and you, you leave some flowers and you read some words off of the stones there and, and then you go home. Uh, what I'm hoping in the future, uh, people will, will go to cemeteries and they'll use the smartphone app and, and read the stories of, of our heroes. And, and eventually people will, will wonder, well, what did you do in cemeteries before you had the ability to read stories off of the smartphone? Um, we really need to make this experience uh, become part of the 21st century. Uh, there's no reason why an experience of visiting a, a, a cemetery in 2021 should be the same as it was in 1921. I agree. It's, it's I agree. totally doable. And with, with enough volunteers, they think they're out there. They just need to hear about it and go to the storiesbehindthestars.org website and fill out our, our form to get more information and we'll get them started. It's kind of addicting for a lot of people. Um, one of my writers said I turned him into a monster because <laughs> that's what he does. I, I think like almost half of our writers are retired. So they, they have a little more time than those of us that are still trying to um, feed our families, but right, yeah, really a, a growing a, a growing movement and very enriching for those that participate. The website is called storiesbehindthestars.org. Don Mill, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Absolutely, thanks so much. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for joining me. Next time, my guest will be Mike Cole author of The Bronze Lie. The, this myth of Spartan greatness is all about the idea that they never ran from a fight, they never lost a battle, they never surrendered. Right. You know, it's all nonsense. So I thought, well, look, look, why don't we just keep score and let's look at every single battle they fought. We know them, but you know, we have documentation for all of them. Did they win? Did they lose? Did they surrender? Um, and let's make a scorecard and narrate that scorecard. And that became the core idea behind the book. And when I pitched it to Osprey, they were like, that's awesome, go write it. That's next time. And stay up to date with all the upcoming guests. Sign up for the Point of the Spear pipeline at robchild.net and follow me on Twitter at robchild. I'm Robert Child, and this has been Point of the Spear. Music licensed from audioblocks.com. Point of the Spear is produced by RSC Media Group. I wanted to take a moment to thank our growing army of listener-supported members. You make it possible to continue our mission of bringing you the best military history authors, filmmakers, and movers and shakers. If you're not a member yet, it's easy to join. It just takes seconds. Scroll down to the bottom of this episode's description and click the support link. You'll come to our anchor page, click the support button, then complete the brief form. It's that easy. We're planning loyalty perks and giveaways to roll out over the coming months for our early supporters who sign on before the end of the year. So don't wait, become a member today, and thank you for your support.